there are four questions that every Christian should ask when they want to faithfully engage culture. And, I, and we're called to be both winsome, so those that are stirring up good works in our community, as we see in Hebrews 10, 23, and 24, but also those who are faithful, as we see in that same passage. So we hold true to our convictions as Christians, but we walk into a world where we go, hey, some things are distorted, some things are wrong. How do we engage those things, and how do we do it in a way that, that brings goodness into our communities, where we're not just those who are condemning and critiquing everything that's wrong? Something Andy Crouch has said for many, many years that's impacted me is that you don't change culture by trying to condemn it, critique it, copy it, as a lot of Christians sometimes do, or even consuming it. Obviously, that's not going to change anything. Um, but you change culture by creating more of it. And so I think these four questions will help you frame how you think about creating the kind of culture that honors God, but also puts forward a tangible expression of what the gospel looks like in your community. And so the first question is, what is wrong? Now, I didn't tell you these were going to be complicated questions. They're actually pretty simple questions. But when you ask the question, what is wrong in my community? What is wrong in culture? What is wrong in relationships? What is wrong? The job of the Christian is to stop and confront it. And so that relates to all kinds of different issues. I know for my wife and I, one of the things we realized was wrong is when our son was born, who's now 15, but when he was born with Down syndrome, we knew that 9 out of 10 mothers and fathers decided to terminate their child when they knew that the child might have Down syndrome, 91%. And so knowing that, we knew, man, that needs to be stopped and confronted, but not just by us talking about it or saying, hey, how bad that is, but by doing something about it. And so I write about this in my book, The Next Christians, but the story goes that we in a community of people came together and said, let's create something that would allow parents to be more educated about what's happening around this particular topic and what life's like with a child with Down syndrome. And so we created a book called Understanding a Down Syndrome Diagnosis. We had an incredible photographer take photos of children all the way from infants all the way up through you know middle school, high school, and even into adulthood. And we put together with that a lot of information that shared both the, the pluses and positives and all the great things about life with a child with Down syndrome. And we also talked about some of the challenges. We didn't ignore that. Well, we took all of these to doctor's offices, to OBGYNs, to, to those who are geneticists and said, here's a resource that we hope you could use. And it was met with excitement. They said, we've never had anything like this. Thank you. We don't have anything to give parents. They're just going home and searching it online to try to figure out what life's going to be like. And they're not actually getting the best information. And so that's now continued on and is helping a lot of people understand that decision as well as to get more educated on it. So that's what we mean. What's wrong? we got to stop and confront it, but let's do it in creative ways, not just by condemning it. The second question to ask is what is confused? Uh, there's a lot of things confused in our society, and the job of the Christian is to clarify and to compel people forward. Uh, one example of confusion might be around sexuality. There's a lot of questions about that in our culture today. How should we think about this? How do Christians think about this? Um, how do we engage that? You know, we as Christians need to clarify that, especially for the next generation. As Christians, we believe that sex is meant to be between a man and a woman inside of a covenant marriage. Otherwise, we should remain single and celibate. That goes for the person who's heterosexual and straight or the person who um, is gay or has same-sex attraction. The same rules apply. That's how we're called to live out sexuality. And we know that that boundary, that constraint, actually leads to flourishing in our relationships and in our intimacy. Whereas in our world today, it's becoming confused. People see sexuality as a way to gain love or to think they're going to experience intimacy that's going to fulfill a deep need in their heart and in their soul. And in fact, it doesn't. It leads to more brokenness and emptiness. 
outside of God's design for sexuality. So that's just an example of how we might engage that. Uh, the third question, and this is a fun one, what is right? Okay, what is right? The job of the Christian in this question is to look at your society around you, the culture, the things going forward in your city, in your community, whether it's the schools, business practices, um, and anything. And we are to celebrate those things. We're to say, this is a good thing. I'm going to celebrate it, even if it's not labeled Christian. One of the things Christians have done for a long time in, in recent decades is said, hey, if it's labeled Christian, I can support it. I can, I can get, go in there and, and be for it. If it's not labeled Christian, I'm, not, I'm a little uncomfortable doing that. Forget that. If it's a good thing, if it's telling the truth about the world, if it's fighting back injustice in your community, if it's cultivating good works and virtue within your community and your culture, you should be the first to celebrate it and affirm it and encourage people to get involved in it. This is what it means for us as the church to do good works. And then the final question is this, what is missing? What is missing? So with this question, our job is to create and to catalyze. When you see something missing in your community where it's not being addressed, it's not being engaged, how do you step up into that? I would share the story of friends who realized in their state, foster care was not taking place in a way that was actually solving the problem. And so they had hundreds and hundreds of kids on waiting list for families. And they said, this is wrong. We need the waiting list to actually be for families who are gonna wait until they can actually find a foster child that needs a home, not the other way around. And so they went to work and they started to create a way within their state to solve that problem, working alongside the government and saying, let's work together. And they went into churches and said, churches, will you actually help us here? And one of the things they created that was missing was a way for parents who have families but had never done foster care before to actually meet the children who needed help. And so they created videos, and this is a new innovation. They created videos of these children communicating their heart, communicating their need, communicating how much they wanted a home, how much they loved their brother or their sister, and how they wanted to stay together, and how much they just would love to be a part of a family. And we saw churches respond, and Christians go, we want to be a part of the solution here. We want to be a part of showing up where something's missing. And so it's these four questions that I think can guide you, could give you a good sense of like, how should you create culture? How can you engage? How can you be faithful to what you're convicted about and what you know is true from God's word and from the historic teaching of the church? So we, we're hardcore, understand our convictions. We don't give on that, but we build bridges and we stimulate good works and we're the ones who, in, who incite those. And so Hebrews 10, 23, and 24 is a passage that you could dig into that I think helps give us an incredible basis to go forward and ask these kinds of questions and how we're going to engage our culture.